Hello and welcome to the Silent Partners podcast, the place where the partners of entrepreneurs or people who get to the top of their profession tell the story of the journey to success or failure from their side of the dining table. I'm your host Nick Pierce, and in this series we take a light-hearted and often humorous look into the experiences, good and bad, of people supporting a partner who is chasing their dream. We ask the questions about lessons learned on the road to success or otherwise in the hope that it might help those currently in a similar situation. One thing's for sure, seldom does one get to the top of a profession or build a successful business all alone. In episode six, I chat with consultant oncologist, Rachel Elliott. Chepstow-based Rachel has successfully combined a stellar career in oncology whilst bringing up three children and supporting her husband of 26 years, Rob Price. Rob sold his business, Nanofarm, back in 2019. Hello, Rachel, how are you? Hi there, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm okay. I've uh, been busy... um traveling this week so it's good to be home uh, in time for the season do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself uh, yes of course so i'm rachel elliott i'm a consultant heme oncologist and i've worked for 16 years as an oncologist at the Iron bevan health board which is local to me here in monmouthshire I specialise in managing patients with lymphoma. I do that. We're a lead team along with three other consultants and that's been my job for the last 16 years or so. And prior to that, I worked my way up through the realms of the NHS as a junior doctor, senior registrar, etc, etc. That's a pretty stellar career then, so far? Uh, Yes, yes, sort of, (laughs) yes. And who are we talking about uh, today? So we're talking about my husband. So my husband is Rob Price. He's been my husband for 26 years. We've been together for 34 years. And Rob was the chief scientific officer. And he, he he owned a company called Nanofarm, which he initially founded in 2002, along with another colleague. And then he went on to sell that company in 2019. And that wasn't Rob's only job, was it? No, no. So all along, Rob has worked at the University of Bath, initially as a postdoc there, and then became a lecturer and worked his way up until he was awarded a a personal chair there and got his professorship in 2008. And he continued to work there in uh, teaching undergraduates. He had a large postdoc research group as well. And he's continued to do that throughout his time with Nanofarm, really. So while setting up Nanofarm, working for Nanofarm, he also had another full-time job in Bath. Yeah, that is incredible. So with that in mind, then, he's there, he's doing brilliantly in his career in academia. Did he come home and say, Rachel, I want to start a company? How did that work? What, and, and what was your initial reaction to that? So I think probably, I honestly can't remember 
when he came home and said he wanted to start a company. As I said, he was working at Bath University. He was dedicated as a lecturer, dedicated to his academic career. And I was a doctor working my way up, as I said, through the realms of the NHS. My aim was to become a hospital physician and I was completely focused on my work as well, as was he. So I think the time at which he told me he wanted to set up his own business, that seemed to pass me by. I honestly can't remember when it was. I think I was so focused on my own work at that time, postgrad exams, etc, etc. So I can't remember when he actually said to me he was starting this business. But it was sometime in in that sort of what I would call a mad, mad phase of us both working incredibly hard, working on our academic careers. The, the children hadn't come along at that point? No, we had no children at that point. No, we were both very, as I said, very focused on our careers. So we said, yeah, we didn't have any children at, at that point when he initially started Nanofarm. The children came later. So he's building his career and then decides to start a company uh, on a whim, maybe. What is it that's driven Rob to do that? Is it something in his past, in his background, or is he just naturally driven to achieve you know, the best that he can do? I don't think there's, there was anything specifically in his, in his upbringing or his early life that led him to do this we're both from very i would describe working class backgrounds but all our parents had very strong work ethic um we grew up in the 70s and 80s thatcher was in power and i think we both experienced at first hand you know families our friends families and communities being completely ripped apart as a result of some of the actions of her government and i think probably for both of us that had a long lasting impact and probably drove us both really a desire to do better and yeah do the best we could for ourselves yeah that's really interesting so i think probably that was a strong influence on us on us both yeah rob rob as well yeah i can see that so we ask on this podcast, I ask the question every time, what sacrifices have you made, Rachel, to enable Rob to do what he's done over the years? And everyone says to me, well, it's not a sacrifice, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Have you made any sacrifices to Rob to do what he's done? Yeah, so I, I, certainly there, there have been sacrifices. I'm, I'm a firm believer in money won't create success, but the, the freedom to make it will. Um, so when it became very evident that Nanofarm was becoming successful, I really had little option. I either got on board and joined that journey or, or I didn't get on board. We wanted children, we wanted a family, and it was very evident that there was no way Rob and I could continue working as we were if we wanted a family and wanted Nanofarm to continue in its success. So really my career became less important. I still managed to achieve my goal, but probably my career certainly isn't as decorated as maybe what I'd initially thought it would be when I started out. I mean, I've still, as I said, I've achieved my goal. I'm very happy. I do a good job. I've served the NHS very well. Um, But 
probably haven't reached the heights that I initially envisaged. And that was largely because two of us couldn't do it. And it was, it was really, I decided to take the back seat to be more available for the children so we could have children start a family and be there for the children. Yeah, so was it more, was it to do with the children coming along and your, you know, your desire as a couple to have children or um, was it that you felt really that you had to step back in order for Nano Farm to, to move forward? I, I think probably a combination. Yes, both really. Clearly, I wanted to be it. I wanted children, wanted to be there for them. But, but also, I had to take a step back from my own career to allow Rob to progress. So a combination. I mean, you're obviously very happy now and you, 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 you've achieved your goals, as you said, but mm. did it ever rankle? Did it ever get to you that you were the one that had sort of slowed down? Possibly on occasions, yes, yes. I think the other sacrifice we've done is that we haven't moved. We stayed in the area. I think I was probably born with itchy feet and I would have moved beyond South Wales, but we couldn't. We remained tied to the area because Nano Farm was establishing and then indeed moved to South Wales. So, so that was quite a sacrifice for, for me, not moving and living here. Um, and the other thing it created was a huge pressure on me to get a consult consultant job locally. NHS consultant jobs, you know, don't come along very often. So getting one in the speciality I wanted in this, this health board was really, it was pressure. So that was the other sacrifice. Yeah, I can imagine that. Without dwelling on negatives mm. of this process. What would you say the hardest part of this journey has been for you guys in terms of the, the, certainly the mania, I think, as soon as you get children into the mix and then you both have great careers mm. and want to maintain and grow those careers. What was the toughest bit for you guys or for you personally? So, so I think for me personally, there was a really low time, shall I say, when probably Nanofarm was about four or five years old and the Rob's co-director at the time had been one of his postgrad students at Bath and he had moved off to Australia, leaving Rob here to work at the university and run Nanofarm. And it became very evident that that relationship could not continue and there was no falling out or anything but the situation had to be resolved. So I think altogether, Rob was probably gone for a good, maybe two and a half to three months to Australia, leaving me with a one-year-old working full time. And I was trying to do my, what's called the membership of the Royal College of Pathology exams, which is a really tough set of exams. So, so that was probably the low point, I think, trying to manage all that. So right. it was stressful. And it did make me, make me question as the, at the time, was it all worth it? So, so that was probably one of the lowest points for, for me. I think there, there have been other low points as well for Rob, but that was one low point for me. He came back from Australia. <laughs> that helps, yeah. <laughs> And I guess, was that what, 2006, 2007? What? Yes, it was 2007, yeah. Two th so it was about, yeah, five years old. And, you know, the sort of 
getting rid of the previous director. It was all very amicable and they're still great friends, but the situation needed resolving and it just needed them to spend a little bit of time together. His, the director, his director at the time was trying to set up his own sort of academic um, life at Sydney University. So it wasn't really an option for him to come here for any significant period. So it was up to Rob to go across there. I guess that's also, a, it would have been a sacrifice for Rob as well, right? Leaving you and, and the one-year-old behind for that length of time. Because, you know, yes. you're a very tight, tight-knit family and uh, uh, couple. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it would have been, yes. Although saying that, he probably watched some rugby when he was out there and had some... some I, I'm pretty certain he had a better time than I did. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it was tough. It was a very difficult time. So I, if, if if I look back, that's a that was a low point for me. I mean, technology-wise, I can't remember if Skype was around in 2006. Was it random telephone calls or...? Yeah, random telephone calls, yeah, yeah which again were difficult in itself, given, you know, I was working, studying and trying to look after a, a one-year-old. Yeah. Well, yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Impact on family life. So obviously as the business became more successful, Rob's still working, your career's bl- blossoming, you have more children. Yeah. What was the routine? I mean, it must've been frantic. Yes, frantic is probably a good description. I mean, we had three children in a very short space of time and we were both, you know, trying to advance our career. So it was frantic. We we have no family locally, so we relied on childcare for our children. So we were literally racing up and down the M4 to get back for nursery. Any day the children were ill, it, it was a nightmare. So a very stressful time, I would say. But, uh, you know, I can't say that Rob didn't do his fair share because he definitely did his fair share of, of all that despite being a workaholic. I think when you start a business, as much as you're a workaholic, I think you do have maybe that bit of flexibility to to rush off. I think the added complexity for you guys was Rob was also doing the thing in Bath. Yes, which was non-flexible, yeah. That's a layer of complexity, I think. I mean, it's a sign, right? You've got a, a, a lovely family, your kids are, are great. And, and you, you managed to do that through that period. And I think actually, personally, we had to put our boys into quite a bit of childcare when I started. Yeah. I don't think it was bad for them. Zine didn't want it, but I think that, you know, they became quite sociable children, actually, because of that. Mm-hmm. You think that, that that period impacted the family in any sort of real way, or is it just, we just got on with it? I don't think it's had any significant long-term impact at all on the children. They went to nursery, they're very social children, and, you know, each each one of them, you know, they're, they're happy children and they're progressing well in life. So I don't think their start, as stressful as it seemed at the time, I don't think it's had any negative impact. Well, also, I think having parents that have done what you've done and achieved is I imagine pretty aspirational and I'm pretty sure they're very proud of what you've both achieved. So uh, it is, you know, it swings around about, doesn't it? I, I'd like to think so. They they don't tell us that, but I, I would like to think they are. I think secretly they are, but they'll keep that to themselves. <laughs> yeah, my mum's my a consultant, dad sold his business. There you go. <laughs> what do you think, if, if there are three, three things that 
you've learned during this sort of period about yourself, uh, it could be about Rob or just the process. What are three things that you think you've learned along that journey? I think really, I mean, Rob is, I would call him a dreamer, but, but really is an innovator, is creative, and he really needs time to do that. Very different to me. I'm very practical. I, I, you know, my job is very well structured. His is entirely different. So, so really, I mean, I would say a winner is a dreamer that never gives up. And, and that's Rob. He is a dreamer and I've had to allow him time to dream and be in his own space. So, so really one of my, the things I've learned is to just allow time, allow him freedom to do what he needed to do and, and also listen and, and reflect on what's happening. I'm a very good listener. Okay. So during that period, uh, maybe when the, the partner went back to Australia or during the following, what, 15 years, uh, or 15, 16 years, mm. do you think that you had a material impact apart from helping and being the, you know, uh, keeping the house household going and, uh, with the kids and everything else, do you think there are things along that journey where you, you had an impact on Rob's success as well? I mean, whether it's advice or just being there to listen, what, yeah. what, what's that dynamic been like? I mean. I, I feel I've contributed practically as well as emotionally in every way. Um, I'm a very good listener, a very passive listener, but I'm a very active advisor. Um, I'm, I'm not scared to, to voice my opinion and I'm very vocal, but I do feel like I give well-rounded advice and, and really it was outside of Nanofarm, so I felt I could give him independent advice and see things from all angles so apart from the advice i think i contributed in in a number of ways first of all is when he brought the company back to south wales i trundled around endless premises looking for the most suitable r d facility yeah. and that went on for months and again because i was outside of the business i could i could advise with my head and not my heart yeah. so there was that side of things the other thing I, uh, he did have a chairman at one point, and I think my instinct from the outset was that things weren't right. And again, when you're in that, you, you want everything to be perfect. And Rob probably couldn't quite see the, the whole picture. So I did advise on my instinct with the chairman and, and I was right. And I think um, practically as well, I've helped find some staff. And I think most significantly, the, the lawyer that helped to sell Nanofarm at the end came through me. Surely you must have got a finder's fee for that effort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't, but yes. Yeah, I've been rewarded very highly now, but yes, yes. So I've contributed practically as well as with, yeah, advice. Do you think that Rob listened and took on, on board that, that advice when it was given? Or do you think it was just useful for him to be able to chat with someone else not so i mean you say you're not you're outside nanofarm you absolutely weren't because it was such a huge part of your life but do you think that he actively listened to what you were saying and, and acted on it or it was just really great for you to be there having that conversation to help firm things up maybe i know he, de he definitely acted on advice i i think rob is forever an optimist and is 
while optimism is a good thing, um, there's also, I would say, a dark side to optimism. And I think, you know, with it, it kind of lead to avoidance behavior. And I would say that Rob strongly needs a more balanced approach with optimism and pessimism as well. Being optimistic all the time is not good. So I, yeah, I think he has learned to listen, if that makes sense. No, it does, yeah, indeed. And really accept when something hasn't gone, hasn't gone right. Um, rec he's learned, he's, he's learned to recognize any mistakes or things he could do differently. And, you know, you, you never lose. You either win or you learn from your mistakes, I yeah. think. And he certainly has done that. I, but I think that's when you're as invested as Rob was and is and I was, sometimes those mistakes really hurt you personally. Mm, um, mm, mm. And it can be a small mistake yeah. to anyone else, but for you, it really cuts. And then, you know, it's like, the, you know, the tears of a clown. You've got the, someone who's always optimistic and smiley. And when it's bad, it's really bad. But mm, it certainly was mm, for me. Mm. And I think that's where... Yes, yeah, yeah, and similar, yeah. Zena saved me on more than one occasion with that. So you say that's similar for Rob? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, definitely. It, it, and it takes a lot of energy to be optimistic all the time. I can tell you that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. So many good ones. All right. So if you were to go back to this time when you can't quite remember when he, when he said he was going to start the company... What bit of advice would you give to Rob and what would you say to yourself at that time? I, I think to say to Rob again is what I've said about the optimism is to have a better balance. And, you know, as, as you say, if you make mistakes, it's very, very hard to accept. But, you know, you have to learn by mistakes and, you know, keep keep picking yourself up and keep keep going. So and, and that's what he's done. You know, he, he hasn't stopped. He, you know, he had the belief and he's followed it through. And and really from, from my point of view, I'd advise any partner to just be there, be supportive, give advice, listen. Yeah, and, and, and be there really. Yeah, I think, that's, uh, I think that's the key. It's been a bit of a theme. I think just being there to listen sometimes, not, not, not even saying anything, but being there just to mm -hmm. let that person unload. And I'm pretty sure that during your career, and I'm sure Rob's done the same for you as well in that, uh, in that sense. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He has. I was going to ask you if you have a quote or a saying that sums up the journey, but one of the things I, I love that you said earlier is that uh, a winner is a dreamer that never stops trying. I think that's brilliant. Yes. Uh, I mean, that, 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 that's what Rob is definitely. Um, and, and I think really it, it shows that, you know, anyone can rise above the circumstances and, and achieve success if they're dedicated and passionate about what they do. And Rob certainly is both of these. He's very dedicated and he's passionate. I'm not, I think Rob is a typical mad scientist. He's, you know, he's completely passionate about what he does. He works extremely hard. Um, and at the same time, I think he's very humble he's very kind and he hasn't forgotten where he started no indeed yeah he hasn't built a secret mad scientist lab in the house then 
that we don't know about. And I think possibly that would be a subject for a, another podcast because yes, <laughs> I've come home from work and um, we've had sort of scenes from Breaking Bad in the kitchen. Oh, we definitely need another podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I yeah. think, um, to be honest with you, I think you, you, you're both... Uh, well, you, I think you're peas, peas from a pod when it comes to, uh, I'm not going to call you a mad scientist, but I think that <laughs> no. dedication and that dedication and passion for what you, what you believe in. And, and again, similarly, uh, don't let your environment define you. Yeah. You can, you can break out of your circumstance. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's not easy. You have, to be, you have to be lucky as well along the way to, but you know, if you put in that, that hard work, it will come off. Yeah, and I think the last thing I would say, I was just having a read around things and I found a quote from Michael Jordan and it said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. So so I think it's all about teamwork. If you're there with a partner, teamwork will win championships. One last question. If Rob had been on his own, do you think he would have succeeded or do you think he would have mm. burned out? I mean, it's a really hypothetical question, but given that he's a workaholic and, a, and he probably has a, a level of mania about him when it comes to work, if there wasn't someone there to sort of temper that and like give him advice, do you think he would have possibly burned out or he, or he would have found a way? Mm. I think he would have found a way because he was determined. Yeah, no, I think he would have. But I do feel that, yeah, I've, I've helped, probably helped significantly, but I've no doubt he would have found, found a way. And I think, uh, again, to give another quote, I think Nelson Mandela once said, do not judge me by my successes, but judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. And, and I think, again, that that's Rob all over. You know, he had a vision and he was determined and he continued despite many many setbacks but i think he would have done it regardless of whether i was with him or not so i can't take any any sort of final reward for it well we're giving you credit so that's it um that's done right so uh, <laughs> thank you i'll take it take it take it so it's been really lovely chatting thanks so much for joining us and being so open and honest and uh, thank you Nick. we'll catch up soon yeah lovely to speak to you too bye bye so many takeaways from that amazing conversation with rachel i think being there is half the battle as is listening and taking an objective view on issues or matters at hand teamwork makes the dream work as they say it's also very important to stress that constant optimism and smiliness needs to be tempered with a more balanced approach and taking a more balanced view on working and family life. The sacrifice is real, whether the pausing or slowing down of one career to enable the other to, to flourish or being tied to a location, it's not always plain sailing. Being in a startup or being married into one is a veritable roller coaster, but it's better to be on that roller coaster than stood at the side and never experienced the highs and the lows. If you have collectively decided to support someone 
in achieving their goals, then it can be better to ensure you give your partner the space or the freedom to pursue their dreams. And I think it's clear that you really shouldn't let your environment or your background define you. You can break out with enough dedication and passion and of course luck. And finally, I really, really want to hear more about Rob's breaking bad moments. Thanks very much for tuning in to the Silent Partners podcast. I hope you've gained some valuable insights into the life of the unsung hero that is the supporting partner. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review. Your feedback helps us to improve and also to reach more listeners. If you have a recommendation for someone to be interviewed on this podcast, please drop an email to the Silent Partners podcast at gmail.com. Lastly, Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We really appreciate it. The Silent Partners podcast was created and produced by Nick Pierce with music from Morgan Pierce. The Pierce family are supporters of the Brain Tumor Charity, the world's leading brain tumor charity that is committed to saving and improving the lives of every single person affected by a brain tumor. Please go to their website, www.thebrain.org tumorcharity.org and donate if possible.